Command Point now has merch. Link in the description. Everybody and welcome back to Command Point. My name's Ryan, and today I'm here with Shane. Hello. Your Atlantic City Open 2023 Kill Team Champion. Congratulations, Shane. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun. It was a good tournament. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. We're going to get into that in a little bit, but I guess outside of that, Shane, how are you doing? Uh, I'm tired. It's been like <laughs> a uh, nonstop thing. So we got to a uh, to AC in uh, on Thursday, uh, Thursday evening, and then on Friday we played in the Marvel Crisis Protocol team tournament. That mm-hmm. was th- three games. And then on Saturday we played three rounds of kill team, and then on Sunday we played two rounds of kill team. And then we drove back, and then I had to go to work on Monday morning. <laughs> and uh, it's Tuesday, and I'm really tired. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling it too. Before we get into, um, I guess, talking about the tournament itself and stuff, I want to give Travis a big shout out for TOing the event, traveling across the country just to TO that event. means a lot to a lot of people in the Kill Team community and all of the Brooklyn Rats, guys and gals, you know, helping out, get that tournament set up, get all the terrain set up in time for that tournament. You know, it's we're, we're really blessed to have a community like the Brooklyn Rats and a TO like Travis to get something like that organized and all set up and everything. It was a fantastic tournament. Coming up in the fall, I believe in November, they're going to be hosting the New York Open Kill Team Tournament. So if uh, anybody wants to go and partake in one of those awesome, awesome events that they put on, I will leave a link in the description of this episode or somewhere in a pinned comment in the comment section down below where you can go and get tickets for that and find out some more information. I also just found out today that Travis is also TOing an event called the Goonhammer Open in August. And it's going to be in Baltimore, Maryland. That's another uh, event that he'll be running if you're interested in going to any of his events. He's a really good TO, and he uh, I thought he did a really good job at Atlantic City. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, Shane. So you took Chaos Cult down to the Atlantic City Open. Why did you want to take this particular team to this event? Well, I really wanted to take a team that is notoriously underpowered and try to make them uh, shine a little bit. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's not why. No, they're, uh, so, I mean, Chaos Cults, I think people are starting to realize at this point, if they don't already, uh, they're, they're extremely broken. I typically don't take the most strong thing. I don't think I've ever gone to a tournament and taken something that we had on our own S tier tier list at the time. Usually I like to come up with the answers. Like I'll find a team that I find to be strong that I enjoy. And I try to come up with different answers to different things in the meta. This is the first time I felt like I couldn't come up with anything. Like I didn't have a real answer to like a problem team. And I was thinking about taking legionaries. I thought about taking a few teams actually. But um Chaos Cults is just, they're kind of beyond, in my opinion. I wanted to take them. I didn't have as much practice on them coming into the event, but it didn't really matter to me. I just felt like the practice I did have, I, I felt was pretty important, I guess. 
and yeah. I felt prepared enough to try and win with them. Yeah. So, how many prep games uh, with the team did you actually get in? Because this is a rel- this is a very new team, so I imagine not that many players had a lot of prep with them. Yeah, I probably played like five games, but I played a few games against them too, quite a few. So, all in all, I probably played like ten games as or against them, and I think I played as them five times before ACO. For what it's worth, the games I was playing as them, I was actively trying to only play, at least near the end, I was trying to actively play in situations that I thought were unfavorable. Like, I pretty much refused to play practice games on Into the Dark or on the capture mission with them because they're already so, so strong in those situations. So I was practicing mostly on, like, really open boards, like Octarius open uh looter secure pretty much every time ideally i'd pick a board with like a bad deployment zone with like a lot of like open space that my opponent could exploit just to see like just to like stress test the team and and try to force myself to get better at getting out of tough spots with them because i think they're so good at the things they're good at that to me it didn't even seem like that worth practicing honestly and i i don't think that's a me thing i think that's just a chaos cult thing for those of I guess for our listeners who don't know anything about Chaos Cult, what is the team breakdown? What does the team look like? And what makes the team so violently overpowered in this current Kill Team meta? Well, I think it's like the cascade of things. Well, first of all, the team just is... And I didn't really see it on paper when I first looked at the rules, but it wasn't until I like saw them on the board um, and played against them that it clicked for me that... Like, whoa, this team is a lot. Like, as far as the team itself, like, they, 15 bodies is a lot. Geller Pox has 15 bodies, and, like, half of them can't do anything. And that's, like, very much by design. And Geller Pox is a really strong team. Uh, this team, all 15 models are, like, capable of doing things. Like, they can all be very, very useful. They're not just good at one thing. Uh, like, with Geller Pox, like, the glitchlings are basically good at one thing and the mutants are like okay at certain things but they have huge drawbacks and that doesn't seem to be the case with chaos cults uh so that's 10 cultists that are by their own right not bad models they're seven wounds five up save uh they have a bad pistol and they have a melee profile that is not too bad for what they need to be doing um four attacks on fours damage two three is in a vacuum not good but four attacks lets you parry out and survive a lot of situations where you shouldn't survive and for those models that's really important because you might be able to hit somebody and parry in a situation where otherwise you would die and then suddenly you mutate and the next turn you get a torment that you wouldn't have gotten the leader is actually super important it's not like a typical plasma pistol power sword leader that kills things but the utility of it is really good like like telling models to dash telling models to do a three inch charge mutating models is the most important thing but a lot of my games like my leader wouldn't move for like this first two turns usually because he's just mutate tell somebody to dash and stand where he is like effectively you can use that like dash order to like kind of get like an 11 inch charge effectively because you can tell a guy to dash up three inches and then he can charge from that position when you activate him later so there's pretty crazy plays with that like you can really threaten on turn one the Mind Witch has a lot of cool play, like the minus one APL. So like you select a model that's in line of sight and you just give it minus one APL. And a lot of the time teams are going to set up in full engage against you because you don't really have shooting, which means they're going to be in your line of sight and you can just like shut down like an alpha strike play that they're setting up. Or like you see they only have one guy in range to move and pay to tap an objective and then you just minus one APL them and now they can't tap the objective. And then there's the Icon Arc who's just absolutely bonkers, broken, like that model, everything about it is just so 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 stupid um it's so tanky it can kill like anything almost in the game in one shot outside of like a custody or like a nightmare hulk i hate it so much 
Yeah, it's just too good. The auras need to be actions or something. It's got damage reduction minimum two on hits and crits. There's no damage reduction minimum two really in the game anymore, except this. And it like it's hits and crits, and it's in a four inch bubble around him, which is really big. And then obviously the torments and mutants are just so hard to kill. So hard to kill. Yeah, and they can kill anything. They're they're really reliable. Like they very, very rarely actually like whiff. So it's like you kill one, another one it, like if you kill one, it's like a miracle and then another one pops up and you can pay a CP to have it fight twice and oh my gosh. That's the team is so good. Yeah. I think it's the best team that has ever been released in this game. I think they're better than Pathfinders on release. I think you're a hundred percent right. In the game in the one prep game that I played against you when I was playing Intercession, like those torments were basically like one and two shotting every intercessor that they got in close combat with you know i th i'm thinking i'm doing all the right things i'm actually managing to kill like both of your torments on turn two but then turn three just two more pop up or not even that uh, i don't even think they popped up it was just three of your cultists like mutated into mutants yep. and then if you don't kill anybody on this team outright the cultist player is just going to mutate them so they come back with full wounds as a new model so it's like the only way i can I can think of getting ahead of this team and stopping it from snowballing because as the game goes on every other team in this game is losing more and more resources whereas the chaos call team is just getting exponentially stronger you got to kill like at least a third of the team turn one and with the way that like terrain is set up on like open boards now because you you've talked about this with me a little bit about how like the terrain is set up at tournaments now to adjust for things like pathfinders like those really strong shooting teams it makes it so that a, a it's just a, a perfect storm for a team like chaos cult which is a primarily melee focused team to just get up the board and in your face and just be able to avoid getting shot off the table and i i think that's the only way you beat them is by shooting them off the table yeah primarily in turn one and the teams that can typically run really deep into your back line and alpha strike or not even your back line but like up the board and, and threaten models that are are moving up uh those are typically teams that chaos cult out activate so even though in my opinion the best way to cripple them is to kill a mutant on turn one it's usually in the hands of the cult player to keep their models safe mm -hmm. more so than it's in the hands of the other player to like actually be proactive and make that play like they have to hope that the chaos cult player is sloppy with the positioning of their mutants on turn one and then they need to be ready and in a position to capitalize on that and then it needs to work they still need to kill the model and mutants are not easy to kill they're five up save five up feel no pain seven wounds is like basically like 10 wounds for me when i was playing against teams that i thought could do that like void dancers i took the blessing to give my mutants a four up save and then it's even harder to kill them i never lost a mutant on turn one i don't believe the entire tournament that mm -hmm. was like the one thing i was prioritizing not doing and i think if you can keep those mutants alive and get those two torments on turn two i don't want to say the team plays itself like you you can't be like a bad player and win a tournament obviously but like it's very very forgiving and there was four other cult players at atlantic city i think there were five but uh spoiler alert uh four of those cult players wound up making top 10 at least top six actually top six so yeah cult made up first place third place fourth place and sixth place which is just outrageous yeah the team is definitely a problem
So where do we want to go from here? Do you want to talk about kind of just like your games played at the tournament? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, it was a five-round tournament. And also, uh, I don't know if we mentioned earlier, but it was a, as we found out on day two, it was uh, actually a silver ticket for the Atlanta Open Kill Team Championship. That's right. So that's really exciting. But yeah, no, it was five rounds. And I had like, I will say like... uh, it was uh it wasn't like a huge tournament in terms of like number of participants but it was kind of a shark tank there were some really good players there so uh i guess on round 1 i got paired against james who was running uh felgor ravagers i think james ended up finishing like 10th at the tournament he went like 3 and 2 i'd played this matchup before on the felgor side and gotten crushed um so i had a decent idea of how i wanted to approach it it was on into the dark which immediately favors cult uh i didn't Again, so technically this was my first time playing Cult on Into the Dark, but anybody that's looked at this team can wager a pretty strong guess on how they fare there. I really prioritized frenzying as many Felgors as I could turn two. On turn two, I had a Torment Charge, two Felgors, and double fight, and instead of fighting one, frenzying it, and then finishing it off with a second fight, I just fought it, frenzied it, fought again, and fought the other one, and frenzied that one. And then he had two frenzied Felgors. I just kind of like relied on the fact that I don't think an injured... Like Felgor hitting on fours is going to be a serious threat to my torment, unless it's like the Mangler guy. That was like my plan, effectively, and it worked pretty well. He he lost models, and, and the models he was losing were in key spots where I frenzy a guy, and all of a sudden he can't tap the point that he's standing on because he's frenzied. And I just traded up over and over again. He did manage to kill a torment at some point, and then next turn I have three of them, so it didn't really matter. The Icon Arc was really helpful, I think, in this game. I'm trying to remember. You played so many games after that. It's like... <laughs> but it was... Uh, I did have one cool play this game, I will say where a Felgor charged a mutant and killed him and survived on like two wounds. And I paid the one CP to blow up the mutant and do D3 mortals. And it frenzied the Felgor. And because it was during the Felgor's turn at the end, he just dies. So like if obviously if you can kill a Ravager during their turn, that's really bad for them um, because they lose an entire activation that they would normally get after dying. But yeah, and it was also loot, and the points were pretty safe on my side. Uh, he did set up for recon and, and like recover item and stuff, and I kind of figured he was going to put it in the middle room because on the sides there was walls separating the territories. There was the one big open middle room. It was that Into the Dark mission. And I set up my Mind Witch on the door facing the rooms. That way when he ran a guy up onto the recover item another devotee opened the door so that the mind witch could give that felgor minus one apl and then my guy could run up and stop him from holding it or you know picking it up or something and yeah you know the team just kind of like grinded out and in, in one i think it's a bad matchup for felgors honestly like the, it's a full melee team and against cults they just hit on fours because of sickening aura so i just i'm not sure what they're supposed to do but yeah i mean james uh did pretty well i mean he, he won his next three games and, and had a pretty good run at the tournament so uh so what was round two for you so round two was i think round two is my toughest game of the tournament i played against um joey diaz who uh has been playing harlequins for or void dancers i suppose for a long time i think and he was top 10 at kto and he was in that top pod 
but I didn't play him then. Uh, so I kind of suspected that Void Dancers was going to be one of the slightly stronger teams into Chaos Cult. I don't think it's a winning matchup by any means for Void Dancers, but it's probably one of the harder ones for Cult. And we ended up on an open board that had some pretty open deployment zones. Um, fortunately, I won Defender and I took the slightly more safe deployment zone. It still was like not super safe. And I, I basically, I had to use like Covert Guises to, which is the free dash for uh, equipment for a devotee after the scouting phase. And I used a couple covert guises and some convenient barricade spots behind obscuring terrain to keep some extra guys safe because there just wasn't enough room to deploy everybody safely without doing that. And I kind of knew that he was going to, uh, you know, try and kill as many of my guys on turn one as he could. And he did attempt to do that. Um, and he killed quite a few guys. It wasn't like a ton, but you know, I was losing a lot of models and it was slightly concerning because I had to go down 4-2 on primary turn one just because the way the map was set up I, I couldn't really reliably contest. I did make one mistake. I, I tucked a guy up against a window on the side of the Chalnath wall and I didn't realize there was a window where I put him. I thought I was just putting him against a wall and then like the next activation I like lower down to like get a better look and I'm like oh god there's a window there and I measure it out and I'm like oh god that that Harlequin can charge me. Outside of that, I wasn't too worried. He, I think he won initiative on turn two. He was able to put a lot of damage down on one of my two torments, but I was, I was keeping the other ones safe. Uh, and I, and I honestly, in both the games against Harlequins, my opponents were playing pretty well and doing a really good job of, of taking my models out. But the one thing I think that happened in both games was I, I recall the, um, there would be a moment where I think they'd kind of underestimate or not realize just how durable the icon arc was and you know they'd go for like a hero play to kill it and then it yeah. wouldn't die because that model just doesn't die yep <laughs> like uh like the death jester in particular just shooting against the icon arc assuming like what i do is i put the just a scratch equipment on the icon arc like the rosary file blessing and like a death jester shooting an icon arc just will not kill him like his weapon goes down to three four damage you have a just a scratch you get three armor saves you're gonna make like one save on enough it's just never gonna kill him um, so like for a Harlequin to make like a big aggressive play on a model to try and kill it and then it doesn't kill it and then it's a model that hits as hard as the Icon Arc does, it's almost always like a positive trade for me or like not even a trade at all. I just kill a guy for free. So that happened twice in my games. I was able to slowly like even out the primaries um, throughout the course of the game. And there's one moment where he, I had a mutant on one health that he probably should have killed. And instead he tried to kill my torment who was setting up for tear through and the torment did not die. And I was able to like hide that mutant with one health, put him in conceal, took him behind heavy cover. And the next turn that mutant becomes Turned a torment. Turned into a torment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hate it so much. Yeah. And by the end of the game, it's like he had killed a lot of guys, but he only had like two guys left. Like I'm yeah. just trading, trading back and forth because the team just has so many threats after a point. And uh, I was able to, to get a 4-2 primary swing on turn three and turn four. And I maxed all my tech ops. And I think the one, other than the not killing the mutant when he had the chance, the one mistake I think he made was he, uh, and this is like quote unquote mistake. He took surge forward, the recon tech op, which yeah. I, I think you'll realistically you should never score that versus cast cult but it's like i don't think there was an easy choice anyway like it's not like he's gonna get courier against chaos cult either but i don't know i, I just don't think there's a good third option because yeah. what were the what were the tack ops that he took i'm assuming mythic play was one of them yeah i believe it was mythic play and 
uh, secure vantage, which he wasn't able to get the third vantage or the second vantage rather. Right. Um, one. That map then, only had like three it only had three vantage, right? Yeah. So that yeah, was there, he would have had to get the vantage in my deployment zone, basically. So again, it's like any tech apps that require you to be on the other side of the board, I would not take against Chaos Call. It's too hard. Um, they move the board against you way better than you do against them. And that goes for pretty much any team. But yeah, it was a really intense game and we went all the way to time and Travis let us play out the last few activations and uh, I took it. What was the, uh, do you remember what the final score was? Because I remember that was a close game. I think I had 19 points and he had like, was it like 17? 16 or 17, something like that. Yeah with the fully painted scores. So round three, you faced off against, this was our friend Nick Craven, right? Yes, it was. This was, it was the dreaded cultist mirror match. <laughs> I kind of suspected this one was going to happen at some point. So the worst part about this was that since my game against Joey went to time, I had to pick up my stuff and go right to the table with Nick and immediately play that game uh, with no break in between. My brain had like melted at this point. And then I have to play a freaking mirror match. So we, this, I mean, it was an interesting game. It was not a fun game for either of us. It was a total slog. And I'm really glad I only played the cult ma uh, mirror once this tournament. But uh, I guess it was, you know, I, so we, we were playing on an open board. It was a really dense open board, which didn't really matter because, you know, neither of us are really shooting. The only way that the board being dense mattered was that we were physically knocking things over nonstop near the end of the game because yeah. there, was, there was so much terrain. And we're, we're like, we have so many models. They're like fitting into so many little like tight spots that we have to like reach our hand. And then it's like playing operation. We, you know, it's a cult mirror match. I think we took the exact same equipment. The only difference in our tech ops was he took eliminate guards and I took route. And we, neither of us got a point on that at all. We both took tear through, which I took every game. And we both took Robin Ransack. And I took those three every single game of the whole tournament. I never felt the need to switch it up. Um, and I maxed tech ops every single game, except for this game where I didn't get any points on route, but I did get four out of four on the other two. I think I played a little more aggressive than him. And I, I definitely had a game plan for the mirror of how I wanted to approach it. First off, we I took a crack grenade on a guy that had a covert guys and I put him on engage. That way he could dash up after the scouting phase. and have the um the range to threaten one of the points on his side um so when he moved a devotee up on turn one to cap the point i ran up and threw a crack grenade and got rid of a devotee and then i also put my icon arc on engage and reconduct him up so that he'd be in range to uh to potentially flamer a guy on a point or just walk up and take the point in general because he was APL3. And on the other side of the board I kinda I couldn't quite get there because there was terrain in the way so I just like Raycon dashed guys up and created a mutant and that would become a torment next turn that would threaten that objective. So I, I killed two guys on turn one from the Iconarch flaming one of his devotees and a cultist crack grenading one of his devotees. And uh, I did end up losing a guy at the end of turn one because so I measured out that he couldn't, if I ran my Iconarch out of the point and did the flamer attack, he wouldn't be able to reach my icon arc with his icon arc unless he had his leader move and then tell his icon arc to dash, which would have meant that he wasn't mutating a second model on turn one. And I'm like, well, I don't think he's going to do that. And even if he does, I'm okay with it because that's one less torment for him on turn two. Much to my surprise, he did do that. And the other side of it was I, if he did it, the odds, I think, 
of his because he wouldn't be able to get within four inches of my icon arc. So his icon arc shooting mine would be damage two two after damage reduction, and I had a justice scratch. Right. I thought the odds were really really low of him killing me. I haven't checked the math on this, but I thought it was really low between you know me getting three saves and erasing one of his dice and having eight health. He would have had to get you know six hits basically to go through because if only five hits go through, I could just a scratch or no, no, I'm mathing wrong. He would have needed to get at least five hits with me getting no saves and he got six and I got no saves. So the justice scratch didn't matter. And he, he killed my icon arc, but that meant he didn't have a second torment on turn two. And I also set up in kind of an anticipation. If he did that, I had a devotee around a corner that was in charge range of where that icon arc would have to go. Because in the cult mirror match, you can have a devotee charge a devotee and fight, and chances are they're both going to become mutants. And if you have a devotee charge anything, like a mutant or a torment, it's just going to die. Or a blessed blade even, it's probably just going to die. But if the the one, the, you know, the three models on that team that you can have a devotee charge into, do damage and live, are the Iconarch, the leader, and the Mind Witch. And so when he moved his Iconarch up, I had a devotee there ready to charge next turn, you know, slap him in the face and then turn into a mutant to give myself like, you know, that extra torment that he didn't have already. Right. Um, and I went up 4-2 on turn 2 after going 3-3 three, three on turn 1. And then on turn 3, I don't know what was happening. I don't know how this even happened, but it's like slowly he was winning trades all of a sudden. And he went up 4-2, and I was like, what's going on? How is this happening? Uh-huh. And I thought I was going to lose, but then on turn 4, everything swung back like really like naturally, and I just won, and it wasn't. Like it, the game felt close because it was long and it was a slog, but um, and we went to time, but it was the last round, so it didn't really matter. But uh, I won like I want to say like sixteen to twelve or seventeen to twelve. It was it was brutal. It was super long, and I think on turn two we both gentlemen's agreement not to use sickening aura for the rest of the game. Yeah. Because it like it wasn't gonna make the game more interesting or fun. It was just gonna make it more miserable of a slog yeah, yeah more miserable for both of us so we're like let's just like not use this and we both took sinewed on turn one anyway which is the ignore weapon skill modifiers so like our mutants and torments weren't going to have the deficit um anyway but yeah it was uh it was a wild game <laughs> it was <laughs> it was a lot and i mean credit to nick his only loss was the mirror match yeah and i think he, he told me he only came into the tournament with like one game of of cults Mm -hmm. um, he did he did really well despite that so yeah i was paired up against him uh round one at the tournament and i almost almost had it i almost had it i even killed a mutant turn one shane i killed a mutant i killed uh one of his uh the the blessed blades and yeah. i killed like two other devotees i think but yeah like you said it's just it's not enough <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was looking over at that game, too, and, like, looking at, like, the board state and thinking, like, oh, crap. Like I was in a, I was in a good spot. I was in a good yeah. spot that whole game, and it was so close, and then it all just fell apart because the, the trading with that cult team is just so efficient. Yeah. There's, like, no... They're just too good. They're just too yep. good in trading. 
So um, that was the last game of the first day. So day two, what was your who was your opponent for round one? So my opponent on day two, round four, was uh, another Void Dancer player. It was uh, his name was Alex, and you know I, it was on Into the Dark, fortunately for me. But I think I I got a little too confident because it was Into the Dark, and I I didn't really separate my guys in anticipation of like a blast play. But like, I really should have like, by the time deployment was over, I was like looking and I was like, actually, like from his deployment zone, he could easily just recon dash, move, open a door and hit my deployment zone with a grenade. grenade. Yeah. Yeah. And and by the time I, I realized that he it was already like going to happen. So I deployed pretty sloppily there uh, on turn one. He he did that. So on turn one, I took initiative because I wanted to move devotees to stop more guys from dying getting hit by the blast and his uh and then he went and hit both my blessed blades with a prismatic grenade one of my blessed blades had a crack and he killed them both with it which was like kind of surprising to me yeah um he did sink a reroll at one point and he had the i think that was the lead player with melodrama so he had like another shot at a reroll for free so not too crazy but he killed them both and then i lost like another two or three devotees on turn one. And I was like, wow, I mean, this is like a lot of casualties. Like, is this what losing looks like with this? <laughs> but I used my order flip on turn one with infiltrate to have a devotee charge that void dancer that ran into the room with a void with a prismatic grenade. And then I mutated him with the leader. And then on turn two, he'd be in combat and he would be a, a torment since I didn't really have anything in that room to, to threaten the void dancer anyway uh, on turn one. And then on uh, on the other side of the board, I had my he set up his recover item in a way that I could run up with my icon arc on the other side of the door, like open obviously the open door, and be within two of it. So that way he he couldn't pick it up with his one guy that he sent to get it. So I was able to actually fully deny recover item this game. He ended up uh, killing a bunch of guys, and then on turn two, I won initiative, I think, or no, he won initiative. And this is the play where the um, the Death Jester comes in with Pryo and, you know, he uses his turn to try to one-shot the Iconar, which, as I was saying before, that does not happen. It's not a thing. So that was kind of like he wasted initiative, sort of. I mean, it's not like he could have really killed that guy regardless with anybody, I don't think. But then because of that, my Iconar goes next, and he had left two guys in the middle room within three inches of each other on engage, um, which was a big error. And I run in the icon, flamer them both with torrent, kill them. I think I left one of them on two wounds and I killed the other one. And then on my next activation, that torment that was in that one room went, fought and killed the guy, paid a CP to double fight, charged and fought another guy and killed him. So all of a sudden I just killed half his team. And even with the big, like, kill lead he he had gotten on turn one it's like the suddenly all that was like nothing and yeah i might be misremembering because i know alex took surge forward i'm pretty sure alex took surge, surge forward because mm-hmm. he took unexplored rooms and you know the grand act or whatever and i think surge yeah, forward. mythic play mm-hmm. yeah uh so now i'm wondering if maybe joey didn't take surge forward. there was something he couldn't get maybe it was courier no it wasn't courier i don't know Maybe they both took Surge forward, but there there was like a tech op he couldn't get, and 
I maxed out everything. I, I kind of just killed the rest of his team. There wasn't much left at that point. And, uh, you know, got my torments up in his deployment zone at the end when there was nobody left to get tear through, which is like such an unbelievably easy tech up. Yeah. So for those who don't know what tear through is, uh, how do you score that? Uh, it's you, re you don't even have to reveal it until the end of the game. Oh my and God. You need to get two torments within two inches of your opponent's deployment zone. So it just happens every yeah. game. <laughs> like it just yeah. happens. I mean, you need to be paying attention to it, but it's, it happened every game. There was like no stopping it. Gotcha. Uh, so that was your second to last game. So what was the final then for you? So it was weird because after the tournament was advertised as five rounds, so there was going to be five rounds. But after round four, I was the only undefeated. Um, so I got paired down against a three and one player, uh, Will, who was uh, running Legionary, actually. And he's mm -hmm. a big fan of the pod. So shout out to Will. Um, and he uh, he was running Nurgle Legionary. He took, we played on Into the Dark on Capture, which is like just what do you even do against Chaos Cult right there? Like, that's just the worst ever. And he took uh, a he took a bunch of shooters. He had the missile launcher. He had a plasma. He had uh, the Bellfire, obviously. He took a, he did take a Shrive Talon and an Anointed. And then he had the, he actually took the Chosen, which I, I think Cult is one of the few matchups where I don't hate the Chosen. Although on Into the Dark, I think maybe the Aspiring Champ is better just because he gets the free action, which... He's right. really good on the dark. Yeah. But the, uh, yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> so this game was not close. Uh, it was the worst possible situation you could end up against cults on. I don't think there is a team in the game that comes close to having an even matchup in these circumstances, including Legionnaires. And, you know, I, I played a lot of Legionnaires. I thought about taking them to ACO. So I had thought about the matchup a lot from the other side. So I kind of knew what the worst thing he could do to me was and the best thing he could do to me. So I wasn't, I was pretty confident going in and effectively what happened in this game, I saw the funniest play oh, of, yeah. of all time. It, it was hilarious. And I know Will would want me to talk about it. So I'm going to talk about it. So on turn two, I set up a, uh, I set up, well, I guess on turn one, I set up a mutant on a door that was open, um, and he turned into a torment on turn two. And I had another devotee that was on the door, and then just out, just to the next to the door, like can conceal, pretty much out of line of sight, was the um, was the iconarch. So that way, anybody that's gonna hit those guys on that doorway, it's gonna be minus one damage. Um, and if if anybody like charges and fights or something, I'm gonna be doing one extra damage because they. They, they're going to be within four inches of the Iconarch easily, but, you know, it's it's just, like, impossible to deal with. So what he opted to do was go with his Battlefire on turn two, and they're all concealed on the doorway. So in order to shoot them, he has to go within two inches. And he says he's thinking about going for the Fire Blast play, which, as we both know, the Fire Blast is going to blast onto himself. And I tell him that. I'm like, well, just so you know, that's going to blast onto you as well. He's like, yeah, I know. And he, we, we, we weighed it. We talked it back and forth. And I'm like, and, and then it clicks for me. I'm like, well, your fire blast, which is normally three, four, hitting all three of these guys would be come damage two, three. And because when you shoot yourself in the blast, 
an attack dice is inflicting damage on you and you'd be within four of the icon arc, your fire blast would become four or five into yourself. And then he he decided to do it anyway. And it ended up doing like, I think it was seven mortal wounds on Splash alone to himself. And when he shot himself, a crit got through, which was five damage and it killed the Bellfire. It did end up killing the one devotee, but the mutant, or I'm sorry, the torment and the iconarch lived. And I thought it was so funny. Um, we were both dying. It was a hilarious play. And just the fact that the iconarch got to buff the damage of my opponent's bellfire because he was shooting himself is just so funny. But outside of that, on the other side of the board, his anointed was threatening me. Um, and I actually charged the anointed with a torment and fought it. And the anointed survived and killed the torment, which just blew my mind. Yeah, that like I'm surprised <laughs> that happened. Yeah, and because and, normally when you're playing a game of kill team and you charge something and it kills you and survives on your turn, that's like the worst thing that can ever happen. Yeah, and it had almost no impact on the game because I just got another torment later. I killed the model anyway. It, yeah, I mean, it was rough. At one point, he charged my. Uh, my Blessed Blade with his Chosen, and my Blessed Blade had eight wounds, and his Chosen had six wounds, and a Grizzly Trophy, so my uh, guy only had three attacks, and he was hoping I wouldn't crit, or if I did crit, I'd only get one so he could parry it. But I got the crit, and he didn't roll any crits. So he was able to, so he hit me, and then my, uh, my Blessed Blade just kills the Chosen, and... I reveal Robin Ransack, and then the Blessed Blade activates and closes the door and runs away. <laughs> and uh, that game ended up, I don't know what the score ended up being, but it was a win for the cult. And uh, yeah, I went 5-0. and The other cult players did very well, for the most part. The Void Dancers were also very prominent at this tournament. They did yeah. pretty well. I think Joey and his Void Dancers went 4-1, uh, and one, took second place. Nick's only loss was in the mirror. He went third place, and I got a I got a silver ticket to Atlanta, and I'm uh, I'm happy with it. Yeah, let's talk about the <laughs> I guess the all the teams that were at this tournament because <laughs> there were not very it was not a very varied field. Obviously, Chaos Cult was out in force with uh, five players. Um, it was pretty much just them. Legionaries, Void Dancers, and Intercession, right? And then there was um, one Kasserkin player, and... There was one Commando. One Commando and one Hand of the Archon player, it looks like. And then the one Felgor. Yes, yeah, James with his Felgor, yeah. And I think that was the whole... Oh, Warp Coven as well. And there's one Warp Coven. Oh, yep, that's right. Ben but Cash yeah, took Warp Coven. Team of the 22 players were all playing like the same four factions. Yeah. Uh, do you, th I mean, obviously like the way chaos cult is right now is bad for the meta, but um, do you think there's anything that anything else that like factored into um, just those four factions kind of like being the most common at this tournament? Well, like intercessors and legionary, you always expect because they're popular. I have no idea why there was five Void Dancers at this tournament. Yeah. That that was really unusual to me. I think it was just like an outlier. I think it just happened to be that way. And Chaos Cultists just being the current team that they are, I wasn't surprised to see five of them. 
maybe I was a little surprised just because they're so new. Uh, you know, maybe some people don't have them ready yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was definitely bizarre. Like the <laughs> the amount of void downstairs, and then the, the I guess in general, even for elite players, like elites are very popular, but like, there was a lot of elites at this tournament. Yeah. I only played against one of them. I didn't get into any of the intercession or any of the other legionaries. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, overall, ACO, I had a great time. Obviously, you won. So that was, I was so happy to see you win and get that silver ticket to Atlanta, especially after coming so close to getting the gold ticket at ACO coming in second, or excuse me, not ACO, KTO. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well-deserved. Thank you. And I um, I will be going, of course. I, I, I might you know, go to some other ticket events and who knows, I'd like to try and get a golden ticket. Then yeah. Try and play. get that upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I, Atlanta is going to be a blast. I'm like, just, I was looking at like the list of players that have already qualified and it's like, Oh my God, this is so many good players. It's going to be so difficult to do well, mm-hmm. but um, no, it should be a blast. Um, it's going to be such a, such a high level tournament and I'm, I'm excited to have like content for it. And, and, you know, I think that might be one of the few tournaments that I actually try to like vlog style track, which I normally don't like doing in events, but I feel like that's like a special one. Yeah. Um, but that's not till November. So there's a lot of kill team in between now and then, mm-hmm. and hopefully chaos cult isn't, you know, egregious at that point. And, and the meta's like steadied out a little bit. So, I mean, that would be awesome. Do you have any ideas as to how uh, Games Workshop can tone down the Chaos Cult? I have a lot of ideas, and I've seen a lot of ideas pitched. And a lot of them are great. What I would do, I think you start with the Icon Arc. That model just is needs to be different than what it is. <laughs> it just shouldn't be so, so good. It shouldn't be able to, you know... Like the auras, I think should be actions. Like I think you can make it a free action, even, and like have it last till the next activation, and that would be a big nerf, but it would still be pretty, you know, generous. It would make the model more of a support piece than, you know, an everything piece. It's good at everything. It can kill anything. It can. It's a big support aura, damage reduction monster. I think you start there. It shouldn't be damage reduction minimum two that's just silly especially after i just watched my legionnaires get nerfed just because not because they were doing too well but because they had damage reduction minimum two yeah and then <laughs> uh, this comes that, out and it's like yeah okay there was clearly some this team was already in the pipeline and getting published before that balance data yeah. slate came out clearly 100 percent. and uh beyond that i think that a lot of people have said this one so this is not a shock but there should no there should not be any full healing on mutation. Like a one moon mutant should not become a thirteen moon torment. That's obscene. Yeah. It sucks. I hate playing against it so much. It's like I don't, I I will say I did have fun in my game against Nick. But like yeah. when Nick that cool when guy. that happens when that happens, it is so disheartening. It's just like Cool. I've sacrificed all of these resources. I I feel like uh like Norman Osborn in the boardroom. Like, do you, do you know how much I sacrificed? Like, 
to try and kill this this devotee who turns into a mutant on one health, who is down to one health again, and then turns back into a a thirteen moon torment. It's just wow. it's just ridiculous, man. And I hope with this next balance data slate, the the team is brought to heal because they're a they're a menace right now. And before this, I think the the kill team meta, the tournament meta, was in a really a really good balance space with lots of good teams all kind of jockeying for that top spot. Uh, and this team just comes in and just completely upends everything. It's not even like an S it's not even like an S tier team. Like we've talked about the Inquisition team and we think that that team is potentially like S tier out of the box, you know. Uh, but this team is the Chaos Cult team is like so far removed from the rest of the game in terms of uh, what it can do, and um, just you know the abilities and the stats baked into all of the models' data sheets. Uh, it's it's not even gonna take like you know like minute lever pulling to try and balance like one thing that the team can do. It's just like everywhere you look, it's just like oh my god, this team is way too powerful. Yeah, I mean those those two ideas are like the common things tossed around. I think after that you you start to see differences in the opinions of players. I personally would like to see mutants feel no pain bump to a six. Gallerpox mutants have a six up feel no pain. And the what's it called? The the mutants for Chaos Cult, they move six inches and the Gallerpox mutants move four inches. Granted the Gallerpox mutants can do mission actions, but so many things on Chaos Cult can do mission actions, so it's like, yeah, doesn't even really matter. I don't know. It's it's tough. Sickening Aura is maybe something to look at. That should maybe be like a one, kind of like Domino Field is, like where it costs one more each time you use it. Yeah, because I use it like every turn, even against a shooting team. It's so good, just especially against like it. Void Dancers, because it's a four inch aura. I throw my troop or I I throw my lead player with the fusion pistol in there. It's only three inches, and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, so Sickening Aura is two inches. Oh, but okay. If you have a model and conceal on a piece of heavy cover, you have to get within two inches to right. shoot at anything. Yes. If, if you're melee, God forbid, oh, there you go. <laughs> you're hitting on fours now. So I, I don't I don't really know. I, I don't get it. Um, there's other ideas that I've seen that, that are pretty reasonable, but I hope that... I hope GW doesn't approach this one from like a Gellerpox standpoint because they've been very careful with Gellerpox, I think rightfully so in that mm -hmm. case. But I think this team, I think you need to have a heavier hand with it because this is, we can't have this team like this for another four months. I think it's bad for the game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I think unless you have anything else you'd like to talk about, I think we're okay to wrap up this episode. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything else i mean shout outs to you know again travis and layla and isaiah who who did a great job running uh aco this past weekend and uh it was great getting to play against a lot of the brooklyn players as usual they're such a great bunch and, and you know some of the jersey people too and it was it was fun i i had a really good time awesome so thank you all for tuning into this episode of the Command Point Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. If you're listening to this on any sort of Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, some other podcasting app, uh, make sure to follow us. 
and uh, leave a rating as that helps to, uh, you know, grow our grow our little podcast here that we've got going on. We have merch as well, so check that oh, out. Oh, don't worry. I've already front-loaded <laughs> the ad for the merch we were, at the beginning of this episode. You don't even yeah. got to worry about that. But yeah. We were rocking that merch at ACO. That's so right. Got That's that right. magic aura about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, buy, buy the Command Point uh, t-shirt and uh, you'll roll more crits. A special thank you to our Patreon supporters and our YouTube channel members. Uh, you guys really help out in offsetting the cost it takes to, you know, take the time out of our of our week to uh, record, produce, edit all of the Kill Team content that we've got for going on for you guys, and to help you know us travel to uh, you know big big time tournaments and participate in them so we can you know, give you guys a better idea of, you know, how to get better at Kill Team. But yeah, thanks everybody for watching and tuning in. We will see you all again in the next one.